You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another fun Flip My Funnel podcast takeover series. So I'm always excited when we can have somebody run a full series. And this time it's epic takes, mixtapes from the customer experience podcast run by Ethan. Uh, Ethan is, uh, is the chief evangelist at BombBomb and he's been doing some ridiculously amazing conversations on the idea of customer experience. And he's, he's introducing this series around uh, mixtapes. So Ethan, welcome and thank you for doing this, man. Sure. Thank you so much. I think it's so cool that you open this up. It's a true community spirit and mindset that you open the show up to, uh, to guest takes like this. And I, it's a privilege to be here. All right. So introduce what this series really is all about as people will jump into this every other Tuesday or Thursday as the series unfolds. Awesome. Yeah. So I was coming up on episode 100 of the Customer Experience Podcast. I'm bringing together typically sales, marketing, and customer success to talk about how we can be more intentional and aligned in creating and delivering better experiences for customers. But I wanted to do something special because, you know, it's episode 100. So I went back and found some of the best passages that were transcendent of day-to-day operations, that were transcendent of marketing, of sales, of CS. You know, these conversations are packed with useful insights, but these individual takes that I chose came from moments where they just transcended it and they're very uh, human-centered, human-focused. I think that's been a consistent theme on the show. So I really devoted that episode and now this series to sharing that. So we're going to hear from some really great guests like, and I think most people listening to the show know David Cancel from Drift, Joey Coleman, author of Never Lose a Customer Again, the director of Runner Experience at Brooks Running, Rachel Ostrander. You are in this series, by the way. You've been on the show twice. One of my friends and co-founders at BombBomb, Darren Dawson, Matt Sweezy from Salesforce, who I know you know and wrote an amazing book called The Context Marketing Revolution. So that's the series. I'm really excited about it. And it's just a privilege to learn and share so many good insights from so many smart and kind people such as yourself. When I'm lucky to be in this. So Ethan, without further ado, let's jump into it as you introduce each and every guest for this entire series. And again, thank you so much for doing this. Today, we're talking internal alignment, and inbound organizations. We're talking mission, culture, and strategy, customer centricity, and customer experience. Our guest is a co-author of an excellent book that speaks very directly to the entire purpose of this podcast. That book, Inbound Organization, How to Build and Strengthen Your Company's Future Using Inbound. He's a marketing consultant, advisor, and coach at Topline Results. He helps B2B leaders drive growth, align with buyers, build sales and marketing strategies, and develop the mindset to grow. Todd Hockenberry, welcome to the Customer Experience Podcast. Ethan, it's my pleasure to be here. It's a long time coming. I'm glad to be here. Me too. Like as we were talking before we hit record, you know, we've 
seen each other and kind of known each other for some time. And it's nice to finally connect directly. And I'm looking forward to the conversation. Hey, we're, we're recording this in like early to mid April. Uh, it won't release for, for a while, but just because we can't ignore it, you're in Orlando. I'm in mm-hmm. Colorado Springs. I'm just wondering what's the coronavirus pandemic situation in Orlando? How is it affecting you or your family or your customers? Like kind of what's going on? Well, Ethan, Orlando obviously is, uh, it's shocking. Something like 68 million people visited Orlando last year, which is the most visited city in the world, which is hard to believe. So that is ground to a standstill. And I I promise you, I will never complain about traffic ever again in my life. Because I I was used to, it was natural. Oh, I hate traffic. I gotta wait. But traffic equals activity. So I, I never, I guess I never really connected the dots that well to that. I just would like to complain. So I'll never complain about that again. But people are hurting right now down here. Disney's laying off uh, the big, the, the hotels are something like one tenth capacity when usually they'd be at 95% capacity now. We're losing the one of the biggest tourist times of the year here. So a lot of our friends were seeing layoffs and being let go. So that's, that's tough. Not sure when the, the hospitality industry is going to bounce back. I think it's going to take a little while. So, so that's a little tough here locally. Personally, we're fine. Kids are home. We've got a daughter in college. She's back. So it's nice to have everybody in the house. And they can do distance learning pretty well. So that's not too bad. Clients-wise, we're doing fine. We haven't lost any business. Our clients, we tend to do a lot of industrial and manufacturing, and it's actually pretty strong. Um, I hopefully get into a couple of my client situations later. They, they're actually doing better because they're busier because they're dealing with mission-critical situations. So there's some urgency there. So it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. We, we've been okay. I actually landed a couple of new clients this week, and, and I'll tell you why as we get going here. But um, so, so far, so good. But yeah, we, we recognize this is a pretty strange time. And I, I think there's, there's a lot of difficulties that, that a lot of people are going to see for sure. Yeah. Very uneven effects. I do mm-hmm. appreciate that silver lining of more FaceTime with my wife and my son than, than ever really. And uh, my son's loving distance learning because he can do it at his own pace and he has like more free time than normal. And honestly, I think as soon as any of these orders are lifted, Disney's going to be jam packed because people are probably itching and desperate to, you know, like satisfy that unmet need that's maybe being pent up. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, Ethan. I, there's, there's a lot of us have talked about that. We're, we're not sure what's going to happen. I, I think there's, I, I'm not sure I would go. I mean, I'm just being candid. I'm not sure I would yeah, go. Sit interesting. In, good one. Yeah. I'm not sure I would go sit in a stadium right now for a sporting event, which I love or go to a concert, which I love. I, I don't know. I mean, not that I'm super afraid of getting it. It's more that, um, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be the guy who was carrying it and infecting other people. So again, I think we need to, we need to be reasonable about it. Um, I I think there's some, a lot of common sense things we can do. I I do think there's going to be some hesitance to, to get back to normal that fast. I, I think it'll come back in the, you know, in the fall, hopefully over the winter, maybe. Again, I, I, I won't predict because, uh, you know, you read everything and I'm, you're always wrong. But um, I do think there's going to be pent up demand for a lot of things. I think there's opportunities for people to think about how to experience things like Disney in a different way. And um, those are the opportunities that I think are going to change the way people look at, look at entertainment for sure. And lots of other industries. That's the opportunity in this. Yeah, there is going to be a, a lot of models will change. and 
I'm sure Disney's already hard at work on that, right? Like, you know, the movie theaters, for example, we won't spend too much more time on this, but the movie theaters, for example, decided to take whatever was going to continue to be a, like a first round release and figure out how to release it, you know, straight to homes and charge differently for it and all of that. And so business models will change to meet whatever opportunity is available. So let's get into it properly. I always like to start because I'm talking with people with a wide variety of experience here on the show and wide variety of perspectives and, and areas of expertise. And so I'd love to know from you, Todd, when I say customer experience, what does that mean to you? It actually has changed in the last three weeks for me, to be honest with you. Customer experience used to mean, and when we wrote the book Inbound Organization with my good friend Dan Tyre, it meant kind of the sum total of expectations of all touch points along the, the process from marketing through sales, through delivery, training, onboarding, service, whatever you want to call it. That's still the case. I still think customer experience is extraordinarily val- valuable, but I, I think the customer experience has changed for me in this, that, that there's, as opposed to just talking about getting value from a product or a service, it's almost become this existential thing now where it's like, can you help me survive? Can you help me get through this next six months? Can you help my business keep customers, not necessarily even get new customers, just keep the ones I have and maintain my, my business? Can I stay above water? Right. That's what we're seeing. And I, I think it's a different level of, of understanding your customer, putting yourself in their shoes, being empathetic, and really developing a value proposition that makes sense, that can hold up to difficult times like now. I, I think there's another layer on there that, that wasn't there a month ago, at least for most companies in the US. And um, if you are sending emails right now, for example, to your, your contact list, your prospect list, I, I am unsubscribing at a record pace lately from email. So just because you can do it, doesn't mean you should do it. And uh, on the other hand though, I've got one client here in Orlando that deals with uh, stored fuel, which is a really nice, fun, obscure thing to do. But if you're a hospital or you're a government agency, you're cranking up generators that haven't been used for months or years, and you've got tanks full of fuel that have, it could potentially have issues. So they've all of a sudden become really valuable to making sure that field hospital you're setting up or the emergency prep workers that need to be out in the field working hard have fuel to power up their vehicles or power up these generators. Well, what they did was instead of sending the same old COVID-19 email that everybody is sending, they sent this out. They said, we know you're busy right now. We know you have issues and we know you're starting up these generators and using the stored fuel. We will come on site for you free. We will test your fuel and make sure it works and it's good and it doesn't have contamination like bacteria or water in it just to make sure you don't lose any time getting your operations up to speed. No strings attached. Just tell us we'll show up and test your fuel. Guess what? The phone was ringing. Come on out. We need your help. Right. And so, so the experience was being empathetic, understanding, helpful, mission critical, giving away something for free. All sound like good inbound things. Right. But knowing when to do it. Right. And knowing who to do that for. So again, I think it's, it's just deepening for me, this, this idea of customer experience is deepening in this, this time because the companies that don't do it well or aren't, thinking about me or being helpful first, I'm going to remember and I'm not going to be happy about it when, when things settle down. Yeah. I feel like a, a theme there is, is true partnership 
a true exchange of value, not just the extraction of a credit card number or the return of an invoice paid, but a true partnership and a long-term relationship. And um, it's really interesting, the idea of, of the broader circumstance really kind of fundamentally shifting or adding an important new layer to your perspective because customer experience was an important theme in inbound organization. I'd like to spend another minute on it, specifically around your thoughts on it being the most important or maybe the ultimate differentiator. Do you think that is true? And if so, why? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it hasn't changed that sense, right? I mean, products are, there's parity. I can buy anything that I want, right? And I can buy it from all over the world. I can buy it from a hundred different vendors, right? This is why your customer experience starts with the phone call or the message or the email, right? Or if you don't have chat today, right? I'm, I'm asking, tell my clients, get chat right now, get it today if you don't have it. If you can't staff it, outsource it to somebody that can pick up the phone or, or answer those talk, and talk to people immediately. Don't let them go find five other options in two minutes with a search. Don't let them do it. Be there in every possible way you can be there. So it is still the core differentiator because again, product pricing, you don't have a di- you, you don't have differentiation on your product and your designs aren't that great and your software is not all that better than the, the 17 other options I can buy. It just isn't. And you have to create differentiation in a different way. So you can do it in, on, a, on a branding level, right? You can create branding around your, your company mission and your vision and who you are. And think about like Nike with Colin Kaepernick, super controversial, but they did it for a reason because they knew their core audience that would resonate with them, right? And they were strengthening their brand with their core audience. Me, I'm not their core audience. So, you know, they've annoyed me, but they didn't care because I wasn't their core buyer. But think about what they're selling. Tennis shoes? Really? Is there any real differentiation in tennis shoes? I doubt it. I mean, maybe at the high level, if you're an Olympic athlete or you're you're a competitor, but for a guy like me, I'm just walking around the neighborhood with my dogs. There's no differentiation. It's shoes. So the reality is, for the vast majority of companies, you have to create this experience that's fundamentally different than your competition because you, there's no other way to differentiate. Do you, uh, just a, a follow up there, do you feel like brand experience and customer experience are synonymous? Really, your response triggered that question for me. Some people see them as synonymous. Some people see them differently. It's a semantic argument, Ethan, if you ask me. Yep. Right. If, if you say it's branding is this, it, it's, it's your... The, your logo and your swoosh, your, your content, right? It, it's all the same. It's all one thing. We mash it up in our heads. And, um, you know, when you walk into an Apple store, you get a certain sense. Is that branding? Of course it is. They're telling you something about who they are and what they want to communicate, who you are, right? That's real branding, right? But it's telling, when they're telling you who you are, or they're resonating or reflecting what you are, you want to be, your aspirations. And then they, they tie it into the, the rest of those touch points. The order process, the, this is one that kills me. Do you make it easy to give me money, right? Or do I put up barriers to paying me, right? Make it easy for me to buy. Is your service good? Is your, is the, your, again, your email campaigns, your marketing, all of this matters. Your salespeople, if your marketing and sales deliver one experience and then your service people deliver another, again, you're wrecking it, right? It, it, it all matters. It's all brand. It's all customer experience. You can define it any way you want, but I think that's it. It's, it's the sum total of all those things, but I don't care what your logo looks like or how nice your story is. If you don't get back to me, if you don't answer my question, if you don't help me, you ruined it and I don't care about any of that stuff. 
right? Or disconnects, break it, friction will grind it down or send me away, all of that. Um, I don't know that this is semantics, but I would love to do a little passage here where I just ask you to give thoughts on other related words that occurred often in inbound organization and are often kind of up for grabs. There are different people define them or think about them differently. And I guess I'll start with alignment just to go to your, you know, if sales and marketing are delivering one thing and CS is delivering another, you know, you've got to disconnect. So alignment, again, is one of the kind of themes of the show, especially across those three organizations all in service of the customer. So when I say alignment, does that mean anything in particular to you? Candidly, Ethan, when I say that word myself, I want to slap myself. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like it's, it, 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 it rings hollow in my head. It feels like I'm sounding like a consultant when I use it. So I try not to. Really, it's about communication. It's about teamwork. It's about making sure everybody's on the same page. I just threw you three more cliches. So uh, forgive me. But the, the, the point of alignment is we ruin these words by overusing them so much. And, you know, if you say, oh, well, we need to have marketing and sales aligned, everybody would say, well, of course we do. But the reality is, what does that mean? Where, right. where, does, where does the rubber hit the road there where it actually means something to the people that are, that are in those departments? So I think alignment's critical. But the key alignment, I think, that we, the point we try to make in the book was interdepartmental or interdepartmental either is important in terms of alignment, but the real alignment is the CEO, leader, founder down. I was at a company that, that everybody would know their name it was a, a national publishing brand. And we had a meeting with about a hundred of their people in the room. And the CEO was sitting there, all their senior leaders, all, all their marketing and sales managers were there. And I asked him, I said, what's the mission of this company? I said, can anybody tell me the mission of the company? About hundred people. I knew what I was going to get. And the, the only person in the room that raised their hand, who raised their hand? What do you think, Ethan? Uh, the CMO. CEO. Okay. CEO. Rose, because he wrote it. Okay. No one else in the room knew it, could, could cite it, could, could relate to it. That's alignment. You call it whatever you want. That's a disconnect. That's where the leadership says one thing and the team says another. And what happened was there was a huge disconnect between what the CEO said and what their sales team said. And I'll give you one example of, of the misalignment. He, they had this kind of a classic software sales process. You've got a BDR, you've got account executives, then you've got customer success. But the, the, kind of the, the BDR was a kind of a light BDR role, which was just to try to get that initial appointment. It wasn't actually adding a whole lot of value. So I said to the CEO, I said, well, well, would you take a call from somebody that asked these kind of questions to set an appointment? Do you like that when you set up an initial appointment and you talk to somebody that doesn't actually add any value and you never talk to again? He's like, no, I hate that process. I was like, well, why are you doing it? You got a room full of people over here doing that. So that to me is alignment. And that's where I see the big disconnects, right? It's sales and marketing need to be aligned. But right now, the top down, that, that's the alignment I, I really go after with the clients that I work with right now. Interesting and probably a, a hot area and a really good example. And it reminded me too, I think you all had a, a, you and Dan had a passage on the golden rule of marketing, which is, you know, as you already said, why, why is your team doing something that you absolutely hate yourself? All right. How about customer centricity? It's the only way you can survive today, right? Again, you, if, if your product isn't, uh, you can't differentiate on product or pricing or, or your promotion strategy or any of those classic marketing things. Right. You've got uh, you've got to understand them better than they they uh, and oftentimes understand themselves. This is why today, right now, I hear a lot of salespeople doing this in the middle of this mess. They're making a phone call or they're sending an email out and saying, "How can we help you?" Right. That sounds like a good question. That sounds nice. Sounds like I'm being customer centric. Oh, I want to help you, which we should. 
but that's wrong, right? Don't make them think. You should know how you help them and start with that. Say immediately, I help, I can help you do this, this, and this. How, when can we start or how do you want to get moving? Don't ask them how you can help them because that's like basically saying, well, what keeps you up at night? Which just makes you want to go to sleep, right? Right. It's not a good question. It's so, an assignment. You're, you're exactly. essentially leveraging an assignment onto the, onto the customer or prospect. Yeah, do my job for me, make my life easy. And, and so I don't have to think. And um, so, so your job is to know them better than they know themselves. And the why you should know them better than they know themselves is you should be talking to 20, 30, 50, a hundred other people just like them. This is the classic persona work, right? You should know and you should have a broader base in many ways of understanding because you're working with more people just like them. And you should be able to go in and say, hey, we're working with these other 50 companies and they're seeing this. Do you have this issue or can we help you with that issue? Right? That's a whole different, that's a very simplistic way to do it. But you can understand the point. It's if you're not thinking that way in a very deep, profound way, then you're not, you're going to miss it. And um, I did a coaching call uh, with about 15 salespeople earlier this week. It was a company I'd done a sales meeting with in February, right before the travel stuff all stopped. And uh, it was a follow-up call with them to just follow up on some of the things we talked about in the sales meeting. And I said to them, I said, you know, how's things going? And they're like, oh, you know, there's, there's not much going on, right? Our guys are slow. You know, we're not mission critical. And I said, well, okay, who needs what you do that is mission critical? This is 15 salespeople, the sales manager, and the marketing manager. Silence. Like they didn't, they hadn't thought of it. Like, are you kidding me? I'm like you're three weeks into a pandemic and you haven't, nobody's thought about how you could help people that are really struggling right now. I was, like, I was stunned. I was like, get off this phone call and go figure that out right now. That's your number one assignment. So it's just, we're used to thinking product. We're used to thinking service or used to thinking software where it is hard. It's still hard to get out of your own head and think about customers. And I would, I would give this test to your audience. And I would say, if you think you're customer centered and 90% of companies are going to say they are, but if you ask 90% of those, those companies, or if you ask those companies, customers, like something like 10% are going to say they're actually customer centric. Look at your website. This is my, 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 Platinum test. Look at your website. Who's it for? Who's it talking to? Is it about you or is it about them? And that's the test. If you're, if you can put, if you're thinking website is, is about them and you put it together in a way that helps show them how you can help their business, then you're probably more customer centric than most. But that's the, that's usually the test. And again, I'm industrial manufacturing, a lot of B2B stuff. So there's still a lot of people that don't do that very well at all. And uh, that's an easy one for me oftentimes, but I still think it's a good test. I think it's a good test too. And, and in, in that answer there, as you're talking about, you know, this difference between here are three ways I, I can help you right now versus how can I help you right now? It reminded me of, you know, I've had a couple prior to joining BombBomb, I ran marketing inside local television stations and we had a lot of, we were consulted often and the value for the consultant was exactly what you did. My, the value I received was exactly as you described, which is, they're not just talking to me as the marketing director at this local TV station and like making up, uh, you know, solutions for me on the spot. They're traveling to 30 or 40 other clients in between our last visit and bringing back the collected problems, opportunities, perspectives, and, and really understood what I was up against and had stories that could help me see my own work differently. It's, it's just a totally different mindset. And so I love this idea of a BDR 
or really anyone listening, but, but the BDR, just because that's the seat you were talking from there, really being very intentional and conscientious about all of the conversations you're having, what you're picking up, the subtleties, in addition to kind of like the big obvious macro things, things that are true of the persona as written down on paper and things that maybe add some coloring or shading that are more interesting to what's written down on the persona piece of paper and using that to be of real value to the people that you're reaching out to. You mentioned TV there, Ethan. I'm going to... uh... Everybody in our space, right, in, in our world, the, the digital inbound world, we, we all say certain things. Oh, the sales process is 57% over before people call us salespeople. I don't believe that. I wrote it. It's in the book. I wouldn't write it again today. <laughs> they also say traditional media is dead. I would argue with that too. I just went through a, a campaign with one of our clients in Illinois, and they wanted to reach people that were building owners. They sold roofs. Okay. So, the best way to reach people for roofs was not paid ads, wasn't inbound marketing, wasn't content, wasn't social media. It was advertising on Cubs games because they were all Cubs fans. And I went there, I visited, I was in Southern Illinois driving around. And I can't tell you how many people I saw that had Chicago Cubs logos on their barns or on the side, you know, on their outbuildings, right? A lot of rural area. And I was like, I get it now. These guys are all Cubs fans. They watch the baseball games. That's how you reach it, right? But there is not one salesperson. There's not one, I guarantee there's not one TV ad salesperson out there that connects the dots and says, hmm, you, maybe you sell roofs. Okay, we, have, we can help you grow your business by selling ad time. All they do is they think they sell ad time. What they're really selling is eyeballs for people who own buildings in rural areas, right? Who needs that? Right? Who, who, owns, you know, who owns farms, small towns, right? Connect the dots there. Now you're thinking customer-centric. And now all of a sudden you can even make television ads seem like they're valuable. Right. And they can be right for the right person at the right Mm -hmm. price for the, you know, that's obviously not a a small commitment, financial commitment. Right. So if you can land one of those deals, there's a high return on it. So if you run a whole bunch of ads at a high cost, it might not work in some uh, situations, but it may in others. And so the declaration of death of all kinds of things is usually a comedy routine the way I read it. And it's usually to the case that it does turn out to be true. It's usually a decade or two too early. And in general, it's, it's a both and rather than an either, or like that's done. This is starting. It's usually a both and. Oh, there's no question. Certain types of traditional media are nowhere near as effective as as they, they have been in the past. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. And or they're overpriced, right? Like they might still be valuable, just not at that price point. Right. But it's, it's, it's my buddy, Dan Tyers always says the riches are in the niches. And if you can niche out an audience that watches this type of television, right, then great. You can use that or radio, right? There's still, there's still places, but you've got to know, right? You've got to know who your persona is. This, this, mass media thing where we're going to hit everybody with the same message that doesn't work. But if you can get down to the niche and you can get down to the persona and the target audience, then, then I'm always agnostic when it comes to tactics. I could care less what the tactics are. I want to know what works. I want to know what my client wants to, what their audience is actually going to consume. That's what I'm going to use. Yeah, it's good. There's no reason to throw anything out without figuring out the goal and some of the various ways you can get there. Okay, last one here in this little passage. And then we're gonna then I'm gonna got some quotes from the book for you. Take right. it right back into your book to get at the ideas in maybe a speed round style. But the last word that I would love your thoughts on is personalization. Yeah, the, the personalization is 
again, it's, it's heading for the market of one, right? Where this personalization tokens and emails are nice. Those kind of things are, that's not personalization, right? Real personalization is going to happen when I can pick the customer experience I want, that I can go along the buying path I choose. Now, again, in consumer products and things like software, like what you do, you, it's easier to do than it is in something, say, like a large piece of capital equipment. But even so, there's multiple uh, new ways to, to sell or to consume even things like capital equipment that didn't exist 10 years ago or even five years ago. So I'm going to be able to pick my experience. I'm going to be able to pick the pacing that I want to go. I either I, I want to do face-to-face meetings or I want to do Zoom meetings or I want to do chat communication. I want to do phone communication. I'm going to pick the way I want to engage with you and I'm going to personalize the process. It doesn't mean, again, buyers won't need help. I think that the idea that inbound is about eliminating salespeople is, is an erroneous one. And, and I think inbound's got a little bit of a bad rap in certain circles because of it. Salespeople are more important when it comes to inbound, right? In, inbound to me is that you get to be found when they look or when they need you, but when they find you, then you are an expert and you guide them through the process. They may not know how, how to go from point A to point B. They don't know how to get all the stakeholders internally aligned. They don't know how to evaluate all the different options or the competitors. Your job as a salesperson is to help them do that. No, no one article, no one thing is going to solve that for a complex sale. If you've got a transactional sale, fine. You could probably be 100% inbound, go digital ads, never talk to a human being. But if you're over here on the curve and complexity, it's going to be far less inbound and way more kind of traditional sales where you think about like network solutions for software for companies or again, I mentioned capital equipment, which is one I handle a lot, right? There's a lot of moving parts there. You know, nope. People may research, say a million dollar laser system online, but they're not going to buy it because they saw a blog post. Your white paper was amazing. Where do I sign? It's not going to happen. You got to get engineering involved, plant management, the electrical guys, the production guys, the product guys. There's a bunch of stakeholders. So that's not inbound, right? Inbound is going to affect that. The the ideas of inbound should influence that process. Sharing content, helping for free, self-service content. Again, being helpful first. All the principles we talk about are still there. But it's still going to be very complex sale and it's going to have, it's going to take a long time. It's going to have a lot of stakeholders, right? So there's still a huge opportunity for salespeople to act like they're inbound and apply it to those complex situations, which is what I love to do. That's my thing that I I like to work on. I don't like the transactional so much. I like the complex. Love it. I, and the one thing I really appreciate about what you did with personalization, there's so many people think of it where you started, which is my emails or, you know, my messaging, but you took it immediately to the experience level of how can we make this experience personalized? All right. So inbound organization, I love the book. I actually had Dan on the show and talked about it. I'm excited to have you. I tried to do this as a lightning round with Dan and you can predict how that, how that worked out and folks can hear it on episode 40. So I'm going to try similar. And so just give me like your quick uh, response to when I give you a line from from the book that you authored, just give me a couple thoughts on it. You got it. From the open, you don't want to find people who fit the culture. You want to find people who add to it. That's real diversity, if you ask me. Great. Right? You said short answers. That yeah. was I gave you. I gave you one phrase. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want. I want. I want to. I want to see diversity of opinions and ideas and thought processes and the way they look at the world. That's really going to drive your culture, right? 
frame it up, give them a frame, a framework for people to work in, give them the guardrails and let them run. Love it. And that's, that is like a really nice add to the additive piece there at the end. Okay. From the, uh, regarding content, the value people get from your content is related to the amount of thought you put into it. Great quote from, I think it was David McCullough, one of my favorite historians. Uh, I love historical writing. He said, writing is thinking. And I love that quote because you have to think first. Anybody can write. Anybody can put things down on the paper. But to real writing, which is content, is about really about what your message is. And um, uh, so it really requires you to think. And that gets back to all the other things we were just talking about. Customer centricity, empathetic, put yourself in their shoes. Right. And that's probably one of the reasons we see so much bad content. If your sales reps are still using a traditional sales playbook, you may be frustrating your prospects and customers. Oh my goodness. When's the last time you got a cold call, Ethan? Uh, Fortunately, my phone is nowhere, but I get tons of cold emails and tons of cold LinkedIn messages. Well, we all hate the cold emails, right? So somebody's running that playbook and they don't work. But my, my favorite is the, is the, is the cold calls. I love cold calls. I answer them because I want to hear what people are being taught and they're being taught this. Hello, is this Todd? My answer is this. I say, what's the name on your call sheet? And they they stop. They go, what? And they say, well, how are you today? I said, you don't really care. That's my answer. Like they have no response. They're done. And it's like, that's somebody who's running a traditional playbook. They put a bunch of people in a room and said, follow this script. And you're annoying me by calling me number one. And then you're annoying me twice by saying what my name is, which you already know. And second of all, you don't care how I am. You're wasting my time again. Get to the point, have a value proposition and be able to communicate it quickly. If I'm interested, I'll, I'll say, that's interesting. Tell me more. But you're, I don't even let you get there if you run that old playbook. And so many people still run those old garbage playbooks. That's why I bring it up. Love it. And I appreciate the passion there too. Okay, kind of sales service here. Your service organization is more important than your sales organization when it comes to generating net new customers. Yep. Well, again, we live in the... Uh, I just interviewed Mark uh, Schaefer, who just came out with a fabulous book, Marketing Rebellion check out his book. And he talked about this a lot. And uh, David Meerman Scott's new book, Fanocracy, also talks about this a lot. Your customers' ratings, reviews, they become your best salespeople because people trust third-party generated content. So if, if your service people aren't taking care of them, your third-party content stinks, your ratings are bad, so therefore you're not getting those net new customers. It's that simple. Your service people may better take care of them because those customers should be your best salespeople. Awesome. You'll love this quote from um, uh, just a, a recently released episode with Ed Brialt, the, uh, the CMO at a digital asset management company called Aprimo. And uh, he's, he told me when I interviewed him for, on the show that he had two mantras for 2020, and I'll just give you one of them. And his is, the customer is the new marketer. And he's just trying to take this in and kind of operationalize it in some kind of a new, more developed way. Okay. Service. For most modern buyers, self-service is excellent service. Well, we, we work 24-7, all kind of weird hours and times, right? If I'm going to your website and I want to see how to solve a problem or get some certain information, I want to be able to get that quickly. Again, if it gets more complex, I want to be able to find the right person and have that connected to that person quickly. Don't put me in the, here's another old playbook please listen to all these options because their menu has recently changed and you have to listen to this foolish menu. Or the other one is where this is being recorded for quality purposes. 
give me a break. It's CYA purposes. It's not quality purposes. And so again, those are the old playbooks and those are killing self-service. It makes me want to just scream when I hear those, see those things. Make it easy for me to get to the people I want, right? Use the classic uh, website navigation idea that you should have everything within three clicks, right? Is every service touch point you offer the equivalent of three clicks away from the answer? Shoot for something like that. Yeah, another nice practical rule here that you've that you've offered. Last one, and this was from the close. We are all connected and no one can succeed alone. Well, it's that's more poignant than ever right now in the middle of this mess. Um and uh yeah, this is a tough time. And and I, I think that the companies that understand how how to be human and be uh, understanding and empathetic and not self-serving are the ones that win. And I will tell you another one. I'm going to go out on a limb here on this one and that the companies that treat their employees right through this process are going to be the ones that win. Number one, your employees do the exact same thing we just talked about with customers. Employees tell other people how it is to work for you. And if you treated them poorly, if you let them go, if you, if you, if the first opportunity you cut a bunch of your people, that's going to be online. It's going to be on things like Glassdoor. They're going to tell their friends. It's going to hurt you. And frankly, if I know Personally, if I know you treated your employees that way, I'm not coming back because now's the time when we need to pull together and say, I'm going to do a little extra for my employees. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to ask more of them maybe, but I'm also going to take care of them. Companies that do that, it should be the ones that win and they rightfully should be recognized for doing it. So good. And, uh, you know, we often talk about the employee experience as a necessary precursor of an excellent customer experience. And it's really interesting to think about you know, up to this point, we'll see how it all shakes out. But especially in kind of competitive industries and in hard to find talent, you have to market your organization essentially and create employee experiences and build into the employee the same way you need to to go to market for your customers. Mm -hmm. Customers and employees to me are like breathing and eating. You got to do both. They're not the same. They're both critical. You can't live without them. Right. Yeah. So it's not a matter of one or the other or first or second. It's they're both important. Yeah. I But I think historically, we've probably taken the employee relationship for granted, whereas the customer is, you know, always been in the conversation. All right. Before we go to a couple fun uh, closing elements, I would love I know you, you you think about and talk a lot about mindset. And so I just love for you to kind of, you know, I'll tee it up nice and easy for you. And you hit it wherever you want to go. You know, why is mindset so important and what is, what's maybe a, a mindset tip that people listening can take away? Well, I guess the, I guess the mindset piece that's so critical is it, it ultimately comes back as to why you're there. Are you, are you there for yourself? Are you, if you're the leader of a business or you're a leader of a group or division, or even a team, are you there for yourself? Are you there for your ego? Are you there for your own monetary gain? Are you there for your own career? Are you there for whatever selfish reason you can think of? Or are you there to contribute to other people? And I think this is just a fundamental human thing, right? There's givers and takers. And the, uh, the givers will win, the takers will be found out. And in the world that, the, that we're living in now, and the world that we're moving forward to, the people that, are, that, that care about others first, that put others ahead of themselves, these are not new ideas, Ethan. These go way back. And uh, the people that, that think of others first and... Uh, put the success of other people first would be the ones that, that do well. And frankly, it's just the right way to live. And again, all the stuff that's going on right now, I, I think the mindset of, of um, 
people first over profits. I mean, you got to have profits. I know I get it, but there's a time and there's a place and um, there's a way to grow a business in a way that also grows people and is, is uh, helpful to people both inside the company and out. And that's the mindset leaders have to have. And, and um, it's hard when it's a survival question, right? Oh, it's me versus them, but they're surviving and then they're surviving. So I, I, I think, you know, I'd, I'd go back to classical literature. This is even marketing stuff, right? I'm going back to, without getting too philosophical with you, I'd go back to kind of classic literature about why we're here. Think about, you know, what, what, what our purpose is here. And um, very rarely is it going to be to make money. So find that core purpose, tie back into that. The people that really, really understand that and live that are going to be the ones that I think are going to see the most success. Awesome. That is fantastic. I encourage folks to hit the bounce back on it. And especially with those open questions, be honest with yourself. You know, as I was trying, as I was following along with your questions for myself, it was like, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I definitely have selfish motivations and that's okay. I just need to be aware of them and to think about, you know, how I'm making my decisions and what my real motivations are as, as, you know, uh, feelings become thoughts, become the actions. And, and, uh, that's just beautiful. Uh, I'm really encouraged by your future. Thank you. I hope it comes to pass. Um, I, I live it every day. I'm, I'm, uh, I've been very blessed and, uh, I, I've, I've had a, a, we just passed 11 years with our business top line results and, um, it's my wife and I, so it's a joy every day to work together and, uh, I just love it. I love working with her and, and uh, work with my daughters in my business and, and lots of great people. So we're, uh, we're helping each other and we're trying to help our clients the best we can. And uh, we just do that. And, and the more we do that, the more successful we are. When I start thinking about money or th- trying to think about closing the big deal, that's when I don't get them. Interesting. It's so good. And I, and I just think it's just so fundamentally attractive. I think that's how you attract good team members. Obviously yours have some level of commitment just baked in by the fact that that some of them are your family members, but you know, I I do think good, good attracts good, like attracts like, and it builds on it on itself. And so um, that's awesome. Love it. I'm so glad I asked that. So for folks who enjoyed this conversation, of course, I had Todd's co-author Dan Tyre on episode 40 of this podcast. And uh, that one was called the biggest transformation in prospect in 30 years. We ended up talking a lot about video in simple videos, places some of our typed out text. And then uh, a couple episodes later, I had Sangram Vajray, who's the co-founder and chief evangelist at Terminus. And we talked about five ways internal alignment can elevate your customer experience. So we were a bit more inward facing. We were a little bit more culture and process and alignment oriented in that conversation. So you'll enjoy those too. So Todd, this is great. I'm so glad we were able to spend time together. I have a few more things though, before I let you go. I always like, because relationships are our number one core value among five, I like to give you the chance to thank or mention someone who's had a positive impact on your life or your career. Well, we've been talking about Dan Tyre uh, from HubSpot. I, I'll, I'll mention Dan because it was, um, I learned so much from him working on the book together. And uh, he is just such a universally, consistently positive, uplifting person. I told you, I just had a conversation, I had a conversation with Dan and another person this morning. And he spent the first three minutes telling the other person how great I was. And I said, there's only other person in the world that does that as my mom. And she doesn't even do it as much as Dan. And he's part of the, there's a bigger piece there. And I, uh, the companies I appreciate, HubSpot, who's connected where Dan works, is also one I really appreciate having worked with them for over 10 years. And seeing their response to the this situation and how they've come out with new products. And I can see some things on the back end, how they're really 
trying to take care of customers and do the right thing. That's impressive. And, and he's a big part of that. And um, so uh, those two, the company in person are big ones. There's lots of other ones, but Dan's been a special friend and a mentor and a coach and a, and just a lot of things. And uh, so it was a great opportunity to write a book with him because we got to spend a lot of time together. And uh, so Dan was a big influence on me for sure. Awesome. And I really enjoyed it. I guess I should have recorded it. We we, had, we were talking a little bit about how that project came together between <laughs> the two of you. And that was a pleasure. And in what you offered there, what a great example of, you know, leading by giving, you know, spending three minutes propping you up, like for no particular reason, except that he likes to give credit where it's due. So besides HubSpot, do you maybe want to give mention to a company that you really appreciate or enjoy or respect for the experience that they, that they deliver for you as a customer? This is going to be kind of odd. I, my doctor. I'm excited already. Who I, you don't, nobody, you want, I can know my doctor, but they have, they have, first of all, they already had figured out how to set up appointments correctly, give me a, a portal online to get all of my information in one place. They figured out, I don't know how they did it. It's a miracle. They figured out how to actually get me into the office when I was scheduled. I don't know how they do it. I think they actually learn how to keep a schedule. What a concept. Right. So I was already thrilled. Like, that they, you know, I, I get there, I give them the information. I'm in the office. I'm in the room within a minute or two. Like, never sit there. It's great. Everything's digital. I don't have paperwork. They, any prescriptions or whatever, all automatically goes to the pharmacy. It's all set up super easy. Then, in, in this mayhem, they went to telemedicine. And now we're doing, you can do these kind of things. I haven't, luckily, I haven't had any reason to, but they immediately switched to telemedicine like that. And so that to me is a small business that is flexible and is thinking about their customers, thinking about the concerns I might have in a time of uncertainty and giving me options and really great ways to connect. And I think that's the message for any company. It doesn't matter if you're a solopreneur or a giant company. Now's the time to pivot and really think about what those other people want. And, and those are the people, those are the companies that are going to really, I'm going to remember. We're all really? going to remember. Great, powerful story there because that, uh, that's all customer experience and mm -hmm. like exceeding expectations. I mean, it's shocking how low that expectation was of like, uh, am I going to, you know, if my, if my appointment's at two, am I going to get in at 2.30 or 2.45 or whatever? Like that's a very low expectation, but the idea that no one beats it, rarely beats it except for this, this team. Here, here's my favorite. You go into the doctor's office or the dentist or whoever, and they say, if you miss an appointment, we're going to charge you $30, right? But yet I'll sit there for an hour. My rate's higher than $30 an hour. Are you going to give me, pay me for my hour you wasted? Heck no. Right. I will say, uh, just for, just so you can feel some kinship, Sharon Torek, who is a, uh, an attorney, marketing law attorney, intellectual property attorney. Uh, I had her on, we talked about uh, things that your marketing team is doing that may be illegal. And, uh, she took the opportunity to prop up her dentist's office. And the language there was, uh, around concierge style service, mm -hmm. uh, from her dentist's office. So I've only heard that I've asked this of dozens and dozens of people, maybe more than 70. And so uh, I've only had one other answer quite like yours. So for folks that enjoy this conversation, Todd, if they want to follow up with you or top line results or the manufacturing show that you host or inbound organization, where are some places you would send people if they enjoyed this conversation? 
Well, thanks for offering. The easiest place to find all that is at our website, top-line-results.com, or you can just Google Todd Hockenberry. I'm on, you'll find, pull up a bunch of stuff. I'm on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you there. And uh, I do a podcast called The Manufacturing Show, and it's really focused on uh, the industrial and manufacturing uh, world. And I uh, would love you to check that out as well. And there's also a site for the book, inboundorganization.com. Lots of info there too. Awesome. Todd, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I absolutely love the book. I really appreciate your approach to work and to life. And uh, I appreciate you sharing it here on the Customer Experience Podcast. Ethan, my pleasure. Thank you for uh, allowing to be on the show. Cool. Have a good afternoon. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel Podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.